At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Man, we're really excited to be here. It's awesome to get started. And so now we take off. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Offerman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. Coach Tomlin got his wish for hot, miserable weather weather up at training camp in Latrobe yesterday, and Steelers Nation got their wish of the offense looking a little bit better. Labs, I know a lot of people want to point and give the credit in a lot of different directions. Trubisky deserves some credit for bouncing back. Maybe Canada did some different things offensively. Maybe the fact that they just weren't in full pads and just were in shells and helmets helped out the offense, but... I know and you know that the real credit belongs to this program right here because yesterday <laughs> we spoke into existence the improved play from the offense and the improved play from Mitch Trubisky. So if you'd like, you can take this moment to pat yourself on the back. I'll be patting myself on the back as well. Great job all around. <laughs> you know, or or being you know the cynic that I am, you could point to maybe – Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, and Miles Jack not being not practicing because they got a Veterans Day off ah. of having something to do ah. with it too. But ah. Ah. I agree about with that. you. It, yeah. is, it is more us. <laughs> it is more us. And uh, not only us on this program, but also uh, when we do Asked and Answered, uh, the podcast, we managed to find a way to start with a quarterback question throughout the entire offseason. We're just the best. I mean, I don't know how else you can put it, but we're just the best of what we do. Let's talk about the quarterbacks for a little bit. we got to get to Tomlin, of course. He was chatty yesterday, too, so we definitely want to hear what he has to say. But with Trubisky, uh, obviously running with the ones as he has throughout all of camp, uh, no question in your mind and everybody's mind that yesterday was probably the best he's looked in this, these sessions so far. Yeah, and he did a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of different things, too, that were all good. I mean, you saw him. You know, a lot of the things that uh, I believe that the team was, uh, you know, was behind the team going after him, you know, during free agency. Uh, he he pulled the ball down and, and scooted out of the pocket in some very opportune times. Um, and, and, and as watching it, you never got the sense that, uh, you know, some quarterbacks, um, for whatever reason, either they're young or inexperienced or not have a good grasp of the offense or, you know, whatever, 
um, you know, they'll drop back and, you know, pull the ball down quickly and run. Maybe they look at their first option, maybe this one and two and then run. But um, Trubisky yesterday, when he was pulling the ball down and making the decision uh, to to scramble a little bit, well, actually it was run. He wasn't, he wasn't buying time in the pocket on the occasions that I'm referring to. He was actually, you know, running for positive yardage down the field. Uh, it was, it was purposeful and, you know, from my vantage point up a little bit, it was the right thing to do. Right. Uh, there was a big opening there that he took advantage of. There were no players, uh, obviously wide open receivers. I mean, and, you know, as I said, it was a it was a good, solid decision. So, you know, that's good to see. He did that well. Uh, he was much better in seven shots. I mean, he might have been spectacular, if not for a couple of bobbled passes. Uh, and then, you know, Mike Tomlin closed with a two-minute drill. You know, situational football is one of, you know, Tomlin's uh, favorite things to work on and talk about and stress. And so it was two-minute yesterday. Um the, and they, he always sets up a scenario. Okay, so yesterday's scenario was uh, the offense gets the ball at their own 47-yard line, minute 19 left, one timeout, and you got to score a touchdown. It's not just a field goal. And so, you know, that gives the defense something, uh, some kind of parameters as well that they're working to uh, in trying to stop this. And over the course of camp, there will be several um, – segments of two minute uh different quarterbacks will get chances uh the scenarios will change sometimes they'll only need a field goal sometimes they'll have more timeouts sometimes they'll have fewer timeouts and it's just the whole game management um reality of the moment management stuff that uh they're working on both offensively and defensively in that in that drill and um Trubisky was he was everything you would want from uh, your starting quarterback in that in that drill in that situation yesterday. So hopefully this is a springboard for him in the offense. Well, we all know that Trubisky has a lot of talent. Number two overall draft pick just a few years ago. Uh, he's got a good arm. He can move. Um, he he's a little underrated as a runner. I would say uh, all of those things we already knew coming in. Would you say it's more important and it's more encouraging to see kind of like you said yesterday him making the right decisions? Like Tomlin said, his communication was good. Those are in the maturation of his game. That's got to be what you know the coaches are really looking for because again they they know what he can do athletically. Yeah, and, and and besides maturation, it's poise. You know, you want the guy to be poised in those kinds of situations, not only for the the, the importance of poise for the position that he plays, but everybody in that huddle is looking at him too. And if he's poised, then it you know kind of it's a it's a little bit of a calming yeah. um, that that goes over the the entire group, permeates the entire group. You don't want that guy to look like a deer in the headlights because he's thinking, Oh my God, you know, this guy's leading us right into the Valley of darkness. <laughs> so yeah, I, you know, the maturation, the understanding of the offense, certainly uh, I would think you could point to as um, reasons for what we saw yesterday on the practice field. But for me, the most important thing uh, would have been the poise that that takes uh, for him to do what he did make those right decisions, have everyone see them make the right decisions, and then at the end you finish it. Uh, because in uh, the two-minute thing, there were there's two um, two sets of it, for lack of a better word. And, you know, uh, Mason Rudolph ran the second set. <clears throat> so in his set, 
He drives the team, you know, right down the field, but couldn't finish. Couldn't get the ball, you know. Mm-hmm. The um, he had a, a shot at the end zone, um, didn't get it done. <clears throat> so yeah, it's a good thing that you move the team into the position to score, but then you got to cap, you know, put the cherry on the Sunday and stick it in the end zone. And now uh, Trubisky did it. Mason Rudolph didn't. Um, you know, whatever that says for the pecking order of these guys moving down the road, uh, we'll find out. But yesterday, you know, uh, Trubisky showed a better command of the drill of the offense of his teammates than Mason Rudolph did. Yeah, and it's important to note as the you know the rest of the depth chart broke down yesterday, Rudolph was back up with the twos, Kenny Pickett dropping back down running with the threes. It's also true that Rudolph was sprinkled in with the ones a little bit throughout practice, is that correct? Um maybe. Okay. <laughs> um well, I, you know, I, sometimes it's difficult um to see everything. Um you know they mix the they they mix the groups so much uh, often, and so it's hard to tell with offense because a lot of times the personnel groupies groupings are changing every snap, and the only real way to tell is if you're paying very close attention to the offensive line. Because mm, you know, to your point, a lot of the uh, the skill position players, excuse me, offensive linemen for saying that they're not there for the ones <laughs> they're not participating right now. Right. So you know that's that's why and. Um, Pretty much when practice starts, what I do is I, you know, take a uh, roll call of the offensive line to see, you know, who's at left guard. You know, like, for example, Chooks, he was one of the ones who got a veteran's day off. So you couldn't even look at the tackle, you know, the right tackle and say, okay, this is the second offense. So um, I confess, I mean, I really wasn't paying that close attention to the (laughs) offensive line yesterday. Uh, they, they, the the practice wasn't in pads, right? And so my my focus was shifting more to some of the other things because, you know, there's no hitting going on. So, you know, why bother? <laughs> well, Coach Tomlin, as he always does, spoke with the media following practice. Had a lot of things to say. Like I said, he was very chatty. So let's take a listen to Coach Tomlin right here on the training camp report on SNR. Man, another good day for us. Um, always good when you can start moving towards situational football and. And we're at that stage of development where we start working on line to gain like scenarios, possession downs. We finish practice with a two minute. Um, and, and it's important that we not only introduce that segment, but it's also important of when we introduce that segment. Uh, we do it at the end of practice thoughtfully so that we work and de- work on developing conditioning and, and get displays of conditioning. It's important that guys have the ability to operate and operate with great detail and and execute communication and all the things that are big in that situation, but do so at the end of practice when um, there's a little less gas in the tank. And I just think that's reflective of what transpires at the end of halves or the end of games. And so, you know, this is football-like. We've been talking a little bit about that, the drill work that we do. Um, But as closely as we can relate it to certain elements of ball, it just aids the growth process. And so we'll continue to focus on those things, appreciate the efforts and the attention that we're getting. Master Teague is new at the running back position. We'll run a little thin in those lines uh, based on day-to-day availability, so it's good to have him. Uh, we'll, we'll get him up to speed and continue with that process. All those that are missing work are really kind of status quo, no new information in regards to those things. The guys that are day-to-day continue to be so. Guys more extended like Marcus Allen continue to be in that category as well. Questions? Mike, did you give a bunch of guys some veterans some days off today? Yes. 
I'll, and I'll do that from time to time, and you guys know our approach there. It's less about those guys, to be quite honest with you. And it's just a means of, of thinning the lines and, and providing more opportunities for younger guys. And, you know, we're going to treat everybody fairly. We're not going to treat everybody the same. More veteran players need less reps in order to be game ready. Younger players need more. And so we think of unique ways to provide everybody uh, with what they need. Coach, having the officials here, like you said, it really helps with that situational aspect. But what else are the players there? I think we saw Gunner maybe talk to them, hashing a couple of things out. What, how, is it, how are they able to kind of gain from that, them being here today? You, you get to, to learn the unwritten rules of the game. There, there, there's an official rule book, and those are words on the page, but it's no substitute for having these guys out here and getting the dialogue and getting their perspective on, on what the tipping points are. We were having an a OPI discussion, offensive pass interference, and extended elbow contact above the waist is a trigger for officials in terms of uh, officiating that component of a play. And so, you know, they get to hear little minutia like that that helps them uh, play the game and play it at a professional level. Mike, like, what did you like about the way that Mitch Trubisky ran that two-minute drill at the end? You know, he's a veteran, and he displayed that. I thought his communication was good. Um, I thought he directed younger players and, and, and made good use of, of opportunities to do so, stoppages of the clock, huddle scenarios, et cetera. Um, but, but that's what you expect veteran players to do. Mike, you're talking about the game-like situations. I'm going to ask you about the seven shots, Joe. I believe you introduced that right when they changed the rule for extra points. At that point, you guys were one of the teams that really embraced going for two. Now you're more like league average in terms of going for two. Where do you continue to see value in that? And then in this situation, how much does the coaching staff put stock into the performance, specifically the quarterbacks? That's a lot of parts in that question. I'll, 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 I'll touch a couple points, okay? Um, there's always unintended consequences for everything that we do. It is a two-point play, but it's very relatable to, to the tight red zone. Um, third and three on the three, for example, or possession down, the difference in the four-point swing, whether it's offensively or defensively. You win the down, it's seven. You lose the down, you're running your field goal unit out. Or you're forcing your opponent to do the same. And so there's many unintended consequences that gives us latitude regarding drill work. It's not in a specific box. Coach, we had a chance to talk to Blaine yesterday, and I know you have a personal connection with the Stewart family. Just how much does it mean having Blaine Stewart on your coaching staff? He's a young coach that's working hard. Not a lot of acknowledgement for young, hard-working coaches. <laughs> Mike, what have you seen from Dan Moore so far as he's entering his second year, second camp? I think it's reasonable for him to take a significant step. He's a, he's a second-year guy. He's been through this process. And not only that, um, but he's got awesome experience um, through his first lap around the track. And I think that he's been displaying that. Um, and, and so it's exciting to watch that growth continue. Mike, what have your impressions been of Chris uh, Oladokun, and, and what can a guy like that who's not getting many opportunities to throw do to distinguish himself here? You know, when you're, when you're quote unquote in the fourth quarterback slot, you, you better be continually working while you wait for your opportunity. Um, this is not a patient man's business. We're not gonna ask him to be patient. We will ask him to work while he waits. Um, we've had others in the past in that scenario. I talked to him a lot about Joshua Dobbs, who was in a similar scenario years ago, didn't get many opportunities, stormed on at the finish and made the roster. And so um, he has that as an example if he needs uh, encouragement. Mike, you've had, you've had several chances to see Devontae Casey in the in the starting role because of Minka Fitzpatrick being out. What's your evaluation of how he's taken on things and the flexibility he's been able to give you guys in that spot? It's ongoing. Uh, he's done a nice job, but I think that's a reasonable expectation given his, his experience in, in the National Football League. Mike, Mike what Cutler. was the thought process behind the way you guys rotated quarterbacks today with Mitch taking two, then Mason and kind of rotating it through there? We're just thoughtfully mixing it up. Um, 
making those guys adjust, putting them with different groups, getting to watch them in different groups, and it'll continue. Is that a similar mentality with the left guard position, and how do you kind of assess that, that battle with Kendrick and Kevin? Very similar and still too early to tell. Um, both guys are working well. What about the other guys in the huddle as different quarterbacks, they get different faces in there. How are the other guys on the offensive side adapting with other quarterbacks? Uh, you'd have to ask them. <laughs> That's Coach Tomlin speaking with the media following practice yesterday. And Labs, you couldn't really tell the importance in his voice when it comes to situational football. You touched about that a little bit in the beginning of uh, the segment here. And you can just see how much he values that experience as he starts to work that into camp practices. Well, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that <clears throat> I could have mentioned earlier when talking about that was seven shots is situational football as well. Just That's as true, yeah. <clears throat> Mike Tomlin explained. I mean, you can... Look at it as, you know, they call it close red zone, um, which means close to the goal line. And as he said, you know, if it's third down and goal at the two, you either score a touchdown or, you know, you're settling for a very short field goal, which is usually kind of a downer. Um, the defense, uh, from their perspective, <clears throat> you're either allowing the opponent to score a touchdown or holding them to, the, to a field goal, which often can be a boost. <clears throat> and... It's also good practice for short yardage, you know, both trying to uh, get the line to gain and for the defense, you know, to get off the field. So Mike Tomlin is a big situational football guy, um, and a lot of the things and drills that he uh, conducts at training camp or, or in practice um, are geared towards those kinds of situations in games because he believes that those are the situations that determine the outcome. When we come back, we're going to switch things over to the defensive side of the ball. There was a Veterans Day off for several members of the defense, so we'll touch on that. And we will also hear from the Defensive Player of the Year. That's all on the way next on the Steelers Training Camp Report right here on SNR. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Offerman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. We're going to get into the Steelers' defense and some of those veterans that had a day off in just a second. But, Labs, I was scrolling Twitter here in our commercial break, and I totally forgot. Football's back tonight. We got the Hall of Fame game, man. Jags Raiders from Canton. How excited are you? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I got to be honest with you. Uh, until, you know, right before we came out of the break, you mentioned it that uh, you were going to say something about it. And my answer to you was, that's fine. Just don't ask me who's playing because I don't know. <laughs> well, now you you know. know, the Hall of Fame, well, the Hall of Fame game, it's, you know, it's more of a a spectacle kind of thing. You know, it's, as, as you mentioned, it announces the return of football uh, f for the year. And, and I think that maybe, you know, for the fans of the two teams participating, uh, it carries more interest, I think, than maybe, you know, league-wide, fan-wide, all those kinds of things. Um, and <clears throat> the Hall of Fame game is one where even when there were four pre regular preseason games, the Hall of Fame game being the fifth, you don't really see, you know, the frontline players very often. And so, you know, as I said, if you're a Raiders fan and you're familiar with what they did in the offseason and who they drafted or a Jaguars fan, you know, the same things, you might want to tune in to see those things um, or if teams playing those teams might be tuning in to see uh, what's going on there. But I don't know that it um, 
for me, I'm just going to speak for me. Yeah. It's not uh, must-see TV. No, I mean, I, I kind of agree to what you said uh, when you were talking about it being kind of a spectacle. You know, I have no horse in the race between the Jaguars and the Raiders at all. I don't think you're going to get a very good scouting report on the Raiders based on what you see in Canton, Ohio on August 4th for when the Steelers play them on Christmas Eve this year. But it is that spectacle of it. I will tune in tonight just to see, you know, two different helmets on the field against each other, maybe a hit or two, see a kickoff, and then probably switch the channel after about 10 minutes. But it's just nice to, you know, see football back on your TV again and let you know, hey, the season's not far away. Yeah, and let's let's look at the bright side. You don't have to watch a baseball game. <sighs> That's music to my ears right there. Well, what was music to the offense's ears yesterday was the fact that Cam Hayward, T.J. Watt, and Miles Jack all were some veterans that got rest, uh, according to Mike Tomlin. And I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat a little bit here, and you can tell me how stupid I sound, Labs, in a second. But do you think there was a part of this, and I know he likes to give veterans a day off, and they've been working hard, so they definitely deserved it in their own right. But is there a little part of this where Tomlin decided, you know what, I'm going to take the gas, foot off the gas a little bit on the defense, maybe get the off, offense's confidence up a little bit. Those three players have been the three most impactful players so far defensively. Let's take them away from the equation for a day. Well, I mean, um, I, I doubt it. I mean, I really think that um, Mike Tomlin or any NFL coach, you know, wants to uh, pound into his team that they're going to have to, you know, perform and perform well against the best, mm -hmm. you know, whatever opponent they're playing. Um, my thing was it's much more important, you know, when you just think of the three names that you just mentioned. Okay, the first two names, Cam Hayward and T.J. Watt, um, what you've seen from them so far, um, you know, I don't know that they need any more training camp uh, to be ready. Right. I mean, they came ready. <laughs> they're really good players. Uh, they're really into it. You know, T.J. Watt, we've talked about how he has been destroying uh, offensive plays in various ways, you know, both from uh, non-padded practices to padded practices. I mean, just the whole thing. Um, and in addition to that, you know, one of the things I do up here is at lunchtime kind of I go over into the fitness room and, you know, ride the stationary bike for a little bit trying to, you know, get uh, whatever exercise I can. And T.J. Watt's always in there lifting, wow. whether it's a, a, a you know, padded practice coming up, a non-padded practice coming up, whatever. T.J. Watt's doing what he needs to do in his mind, you know, to be the best player he can be. So, you know, Cam Hayward, uh, he's another one of those same kind of guys. So there's no question or even a, a, a minuscule iota of doubt, you know, that these guys are in it to win it, so to speak, both individually and as a team. So... Um, you know, giving them a day off, I, I think, prevents them from getting overly fatigued because fatigue is usually a, a contributor to the kinds of injuries that can linger and or nag um, the player. And um, Miles Jack, I think what we have seen from him so far, even though he's new to the Steelers, um, <clears throat> he has been a significant presence in the middle of the defense, you know, against the run particularly. And he has also shown himself not to be a liability in coverage, which we've talked about on previous shows about the importance of the inside linebackers, you know, not having a, uh, a gigantic hole in their game because opponents will invariably take advantage of that with their play calling and personnel groupings and things like that. So I think you can look at those three guys. They have um, 
not missed they had not missed any practice they all showed up in good shape they're all veterans and you know you give them a day off uh, it's it's just maintenance a little bit i mean you a lot of times you know what really gets um a lot of attention are quote unquote significant injuries right but often what can derail a guy um you know is is a nagging thing you know a, a hamstring that he has to nurse for two or three weeks or, you know, those kinds of things. And then they try and come back and then they re-injure it. And it's just a gigantic pain in the butt for the player and often for the team, and it lingers. And so if, if you can um, avoid that in a painless way, you try and do it. And that's the way I look at um, those some of those veteran days off kind of situations because the worst thing, you know, for Cam Hayward to get some Nick injury – um, that then he's got to deal with for two or three weeks. Right. I mean, that, that doesn't do anybody any good. And so that's why I think the primary motivation is behind that stuff. But, you know, for someone with a lot of uh, Reynolds wrap in their kitchen like you, um, you know, make <laughs> make some hats. And don't forget to make one in Craig Wolfley's size because he's a big fan oh, of aluminum, yeah. foil, aluminum foil hats himself. And I have several for Wolfley on reserve whenever he needs them, <laughs> so don't worry about that. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, Elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Uh, one of the biggest, uh, you know, things of optimism that fans can grab onto has been the play of the defense early on in camp. And I think it's important to note, too, that, you know, obviously Hayward and Watt and Jack have been participants except for when Tomlin deems that they won't be. But there are other key contributors or expected to be key contributors that have not been able to step foot on the field yet due to injury or working their way back from injury. Most notably, uh, the big three in my mind, Minka Fitzpatrick in the secondary and Ogan Joby and Alu Alu up front. So, there's a lot of optimism for the defense already, and it's not even close to at its full strength yet. So that's got to be very encouraging for the coaching staff, for the fans, for everybody. Yeah, and, you know, the thing about the the, the names that you just mentioned, uh, a lot of times, you know, full disclosure here by me, um, full, during practice when they get into some of the special teams periods, you know, I'll let my eyes wander, you know, around to see what else is going on, and those guys are – busting butt on a separate field obviously they're not practicing but um you know they're working i mean minka fitzpatrick never stops and there are even times when uh in between like for example in a special teams period minka fitzpatrick and a couple of the other dbs cam sutton uh kello witherspoon and and others i mean i don't want to uh leave anybody out yeah but they'll find one of the quarterbacks and run routes so that they're practicing, you know, running, turning to the football and getting their hands up and making an interception of a ball that's thrown, you know, by an NFL quarterback, an NFL uh, caliber pace and stuff like that. So, um, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick is um, not taking, you know, time off. I mean, he's he's involved. I mean, I can see him. He's standing next to um, often either – uh, the defensive coordinator, Terrell Austin, uh, or the defensive backs coach. And, you know, he has a play script 
and he's you know as they say taking mental reps uh, you know i always thought that that was kind of a um borderline joke but it, it it is valuable depending upon the guy who's doing it and is he putting a lot into it and not just standing around you know kind of looking at cloud formations so uh, i agree with you that um those are three players that are going to hopefully uh, play significant roles once the season rolls around. Um, but I'm not real um, concerned about them not being on the practice field because I remember this. One of the best seasons Casey Hampton had was when he reported to camp uh, in less than stellar shape mm. and <laughs> did not complete the run test. And so he was put on the PUP list. And, and so instead of, you know, being in the middle of a line of scrimmage and, you know, hitting and all that stuff, he was off to the side conditioning. And so then, you know, once the season started, he was in good shape but had a fresh body. Right. And he had a good year. The defense had a good year. So, you know, sometimes for some guys, they really don't need a lot of physical pounding on themselves. And, I, and I'm saying that because the guy I think about um, in that way a lot is Cam Hayward. Not that he came to camp and failed the run test. That's not that's not what I mean. That's not what I'm implying. I'm just saying that some guys, if they just work on their conditioning and um, get their bodies ready, that's more important than taking reps in, you know, uh, live tackling drill. Well, everybody in Steelers Nation certainly hopes that the defense will be good this year. And one guy who will contribute mightily towards that is the reigning defensive player of the year. The media caught up with T.J. Watt yesterday before practice. Let's take a listen right now on SNR. I wonder if you're thinking about letting the offense get a playoff once in a while. <laughs> We're having fun, man. We're flying around. Still a lot to improve on, but uh, it's been a good start so far for the defense. Have you noticed anything specific from any one or two players that they specifically you can tell worked on in the offseason right now? I don't know. I think it's still early. Obviously, guys are making a lot of plays, but uh, like like we talk about, it's you can't win off a of lack of execution on the other side. You got to be able to have clean, nice wins, um, good execution on your side. And uh, Ooh, that thing is huge. But no, I mean, I think there, there's a lot of guys doing some really good things. I think Devin looks nice inside. Miles, uh, Jack looks good inside. Guys are coming down, uh, taking the double teams off the big guys. So it. Uh, it's, it's been nice to see. TJ, what do you do for an encore after Player of the Year? And if you have advanced expectations beyond that, how do you get there? Oh, we got to win a Super Bowl. Simple as that. How about the, the dynamic of this camp? It's interesting because everyone judges everything. And the offense going to defense. There's going to be winners and losers. Mm-hmm. Everybody says the defense is ahead of the offense early. If that's true, why is that true? I don't know. It's like I said. It's way too early for any of that stuff. It's it's all based on uh, who the drill is slanted towards. If it's offense or defense, uh, right now, just just trying to get better each and every day. Put your best foot forward. Watch the film. Learn how to watch film. Learn how to accept constructive criticism. Not take things too personally. Uh, and just build camaraderie as a team. I think that's what this time of year is all Do you about. You think it's beneficial? Your young offensive line gets to see you guys on a regular basis. Does it help them? Oh, of course. I mean, I don't get to see the young offensive line too much, but uh, any anytime they get to see uh, our advanced 3-4 defense is hard for those guys to block, especially the amount of pressures and different guys coming um, and, and other guys dropping in coverage. is difficult for them, so it's good to see early. TJ, across the board, the defense has had just a lot of energy, but you specifically look like you're having so much fun out there. Like, what is it about camp, about this environment that just gets you excited? Yeah, I think part of it is just in my role now and being more of a leader, just trying to set the tone and, and understand that 
it's very hard to make plays. And at the end of the day, we have to remember that we're having fun. And uh, I know a lot of guys, younger guys, have so much going on mentally. Uh, if they're in the right spot, if they're doing the right thing, that you can't forget at the end of the day, it's very tough to make a place. So when you make one, you got to celebrate. And uh, we just try to feed off the crowd. And as a defense, we always enjoy that. Did you, you miss a lot about maturation? Did you miss being able to do that last year? I know you were obviously working through the contract stuff, and that's the priority. But did you miss being able to celebrate, do those things on the field when you make a big play in camp? A little bit. I, I, it helps with leadership just as far as I, you can only do so much from the sidelines. And um, as hard as uh, I was working last year, you're not able to actually show it on the field. So uh, it's definitely refreshing to be able to be out there. Coach talked a lot about the maturation process, specifically for Kenny, some of these younger guys. How much does that play in? How much do you see of that process play out in camp? Oh, it's huge. I mean, just even from OTAs to today, uh, guys are just being able to get way more comfortable. Uh, and, and obviously when you have good vets in front of you uh, to show you how to do it, I think we don't have a lot of guys here that keep a lot to themselves. And we have so many veterans that are able to just be an open book for these young guys to show them the way, how we do things, how we watch them, how we play. And I think that helps speed up that process. What are your uh, battles been like with Chooks? Obviously, you guys didn't really get to go out in the city last year, but what have you seen from him? And, and what's that like on a you know, snap and snap out basis with Chooks? Yeah, I think he's gaining confidence, and it's always good to see. Uh, Obviously, we're very comfortable with each other now, whatever it is, three, four, five years going against each other. And uh, I'm going to get the best of him sometimes. He's going to get the best of me sometimes. But as long as we're getting better together, that's all that matters. Who was up with Austin yesterday? With who? Austin on that. Oh, I just, you know, sometimes you black out and you're just trying to have fun, get people involved. And uh, it was a little scrimmish. You think he had fun? <laughs> I don't know. Probably not. TJ, you talked about that. Being more of a leader, that's an evolution that's happened in the last five years. I mean, when did you sort of, is it after the contract last year that you thought, or is it just sort of a, when did you sort of feel like, all right, I'm in a position now where I'm, I can be one of those big voices in the room? I think it's always been in the plan. It's just each year you kind of take one more step, one more step, and uh, just feeling really comfortable with where I am. Um, like I said, in order to really help guys out and be a leader, you have to be very comfortable with who you are in this defense, in the locker room, everything. Uh, so I just, I'm very comfortable. I feel like I have so much more to give to the game, not only for myself, but also for my teammates, uh, and not just on the field, but also from a developmental standpoint. That's Steelers linebacker and reigning defensive player of the year, TJ Watt, speaking to the media while fighting against the Bee Labs. That was incredible stuff at the beginning of that. He got distracted a little because a bee was trying to fly into his eyes. So laser focus from TJ Watt on the field as well as off the field. Uh, our colleague Mike Prezuta was talking to him and, and kind of joking around. Is he ever going to, you know, and the defense going to give the offense a chance to get a playoff? And, you know, that's not entirely false, Labs. So far, T.J. Watt and the defense has really been disrupting a lot of what the offense is trying to, you know, implement and, you know, work through in these early processes. Yeah, um, before I get to that, I just wanted to point something out. You know, listening to T.J. Watt just now and, you know, throughout his um, time with the Steelers, and, and I, what I'm going to say, I say with utmost respect and, and in a complimentary way, uh, T.J. Watt mentally – is much older as an NFL player than his chronological age. Yeah. And by that, I mean this guy is serious. He is focused. Um, he's, he says the right thing. He does the right thing. I mean, this guy, you know, as a rookie, came across as a much more seasoned veteran. Now, maybe that's because he's a, a part of an NFL family. Maybe that's just his makeup. You know, I don't know what it is specifically, and it really doesn't matter where he gets it, he has it. And so, um, you know, I just think that sometimes uh, we, we focus a lot on the on-field things that we can see and quantify and, 
you know, statistics we can count. Uh, but there's a lot more than, than that that makes T.J. Watt uh, the great player he is. And I really believe that, you know, when it's all said and done for him, he's going to be remembered, you know, as one of the significant players in franchise history. And, you know, that's a, that's, that's a pretty high bar yeah. uh, that I think he's going to meet. So anyway, all right, now back to what you were, you were, we were talking about. Um, yeah, he has been, I don't know, uh, for me anyway, for, from what I can see and quantify, everything you would want. Uh, especially from a guy that um, earned a significant individual honor last year. You know, he uh, tied the uh, all-time NFL record for sacks in a season and won Defensive Player of the Year. Now, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's, it would seem to me to be somewhat normal human behavior. <sighs> Take a little bit of a breath. Yeah, we right. did good last year, yeah. you know, <laughs> Pat but I mean, back. yeah, yeah, if anything, I mean, that this just seems to have energized him to be more to be better. Uh, and, and, in the, and in a lot of ways that may not show up on the stats chart, you know, the total. So, um, I don't know, I, I, this guy is just such a tremendous asset to this team and in ways that. You know, I don't even know that I could fully list, even if I had the time to try and attempt to do that, because there's just so many things that are happening either behind the scenes or, you know, as they always say, champions are made when nobody's watching. And so in those areas, you know, that's where T.J. Watt, um, <clears throat> to me, might really be a difference maker. Uh, and it's something that maybe none of us even see or know or realize, um, but uh, as Mike Tomlin says it, about other things, it's something that you can't quantify, but you acknowledge that it exists. And that's that's how I would describe T.J. Watt in a lot of the things that he does uh, when nobody's watching. A new running back was added into the mix for your Pittsburgh Steelers yesterday. We'll get into that and wrap things up here on the Training Camp Report on the other side of the break. You're listening to Steelers Nation Radio. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Opperman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. A common theme so far throughout training camp has just been the plethora of running backs that the Steelers have utilized on the offensive side of the ball. And there was another one added to the mix yesterday, Labs, as Master Teague got some run with the offense. Tomlin spoke a bit about him in his press conference and said, again, he liked what he saw. He came in conditioned, highly conditioned, which is what you want to see from guys that you're going to throw into the mix. So... Is this uh, reaching a point, though, where it might be maybe too many cooks in the kitchen, or can they simply not get enough uh, of a tryout portion with all these different backs? I, I just think that this is a reaction to Jeremy McNichols' injury. Mm, I mean, maybe a little more serious wanna, than they thought. Well, you don't want, you know, again, these they'll, they'll rotate guys in and out with these kinds of things. I mean, there are some guys, uh, players, who have, have a role or a, you know, a, a part of the team that makes them worth waiting for uh, when they get nicked up during training camp. Other guys, you know, you need numbers. You don't want too many reps for, you know, uh, too few players because, as we were talking about earlier, then fatigue sets in and then more injuries happen. So and it was too bad for Jeremy McNichols. He was signed, you know, right before camp opened, looked good in backs on backers, uh, had had a few moments, but, you know, his shoulder injury 
is one that was determined. I mean, I don't know exactly what it was or anything, but it was determined um, that it was going to keep him out longer than he would be worth waiting for. And so, you know, you make a move. Um, you know, Master Teague, um, he may be next. You know, you just don't know. I mean, I don't think that, you know, the Steelers signed him because they are seriously considering seriously considering him, um, you know, for a, a role uh, on the 53-man roster. I mean, they just need someone right now uh, to get through practices. And if Master Teague shows uh, something significant, you know, that's worth keeping, then certainly, you know, they would keep him. But um, these are these are camp moves. I mean, this okay. this is the kind of stuff that happens. Uh, I wouldn't read too much into this at all. And again, when it comes to all the running backs behind number 22 that's getting carries, whoever's with the twos, whoever's with the threes, it really doesn't matter if things are going well with number 22, like you've said before, because – yeah, they've talked about, you know, we want to pull the reins back a little bit on him this year and make sure we don't run him completely into the ground. But, I mean, he's going to be the focal point of the offense. And if he's healthy and playing well, he's going to be fed the ball more times than not. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, um, Najee Harris, I think, showed, you know, that he is capable of being a significant part of a championship team back in college. Yeah. And, um you know, so you, you draft him where you drafted him, and, you know, he's your main guy at that position. And it's not like, you know, running the ball in the NFL isn't like it was in the 60s and 70s where you had two guys in the backfield and they both carried the ball. Now, throughout the NFL, it's one guy at a time. Even if you spell them, which is fine, but one guy's a running back. You know, it's not like Franco and Rocky where one guy would block for the other. So... Uh, I think the Steelers know and appreciate what they have in Najee Harris. And as you mentioned, he's he's the man. And so, you know, what I was mentioning, too, about, you know, some veterans days off about the defensive guys, you know, I think that also applies to Najee Harris. Uh, now, he had he got his foot stepped on. And so it's it's more than just a veterans day off. But with him, um, I don't know that you need him, you know, out there getting banged up or banged around or, you know, those kinds of things in training camp. And I don't even know how much we would see of him in the preseason if he was healthy. This is a guy who, you know, shows up ready to go. He was ready to go in May when OTAs started. You see him, I mean, I don't know. You know, he passes the eye test. Let me tell you that. I mean, he is sculpted. And so I think that the most important thing for Najee Harris is get his body ready for the demands that are going to be placed on it once the regular season starts. Steelers practice today, day eight practice up at St. Vincent College in Latrobe starts at 155. Tomorrow's practice, however, is Friday Night Lights at Latrobe Memorial Stadium. Practice kicks off then at 7 p.m. Quick programming note, we will not be giving you a training camp report tomorrow. I know, I know, I can hear you booing through your radios right now, but Labs and I are bigwigs, right? we got things that we got to do. So <laughs> we won't be on the air tomorrow morning, but we will be back Saturday morning to recap Friday Night Lights practice. But since we won't you know, be able to do a preview tomorrow, Labs, why don't you just touch on real quick before we wrap things up just how great of a tradition it is for the Steelers to continue to bus everybody over to Latrobe Memorial Stadium and have that Friday night light Friday night lights practice for the fans. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's an event. Um and uh it's going to be extremely well uh, attended tomorrow, I'm very certain. And 
you know, as for what fans are going to see or, or experience, if, if you haven't ever been there, you know, it starts off with an autograph session. Yeah. The entire team participates. Um, and there's a, you know, a certain amount of time, you know, they hit the horn and it begins, they hit the horn and it's over. Uh, and a lot of people, and this is their choice, I'm not being critical, they come for the autographs and then they leave, um, you know, to each his own. But, you know, it started during the um, Bill Cower era. And Bill Cower, in terms of uh, what he had the team do uh, at Friday Night Lights, he made it, he made some things special. You know, he had goal line drill, which was at the end. Uh, and it was live hitting yeah. from the two-yard line. It's kind of like seven shots, only it was all running the ball. Uh, Mike Tallman doesn't do that. He just has a regular practice. He'll probably have you know, backs on backers, things that they would normally do, but he doesn't um, cater anything to the specific event. Um, so, you know, it's, it's practice. You'll see some hitting. There'll be some hitting. There'll be live tackling, I'm sure. There will be in pads. It's, at least that is what the plan is according to the schedule. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's a, I would imagine it's a fun night because uh, you can say whatever you want about it. It is very well attended. <laughs> and the, um, and the, the proceeds all go to different programs, you know, sports programs at Latrobe High School and, you know, various charities in the community, you know, the, the Latrobe handles all of that. And let me tell you this, too. This started a couple of years ago, a few years ago. It was, well, you know, the previous two years we weren't there, so there wasn't any of that. But right. even before the pandemic, seat licenses, they sold – you know, to raise more money. And this is this is totally the high school's decision. It was their idea. They set the price, and they get the money. So I don't want anybody thinking, you know, that uh, the Steelers are trying to make 50 cents <laughs> on these fans. But they set up chairs uh, along the one side of the field, and they're reserved chairs, and people pay. I, my recollection was 100 bucks the last time we were up here. For the, wow. for wow. you know, like a courtside seat in an NBA game, and they were filled. Oh, so, no doubt. Uh, and and as I said, people are serious about this. They're happy to pay the money, uh, both for the uh, experience of sitting there, and also you know for what the what the proceeds uh, are designed to help. And um, you know, it's just the way that the Steelers have decided that they can. Um, give back to the, the community up here uh, while continuing the process of getting ready for their NFL season. No question about it. It's going to be an absolute blast at Latrobe Memorial Stadium tomorrow night. Practice again starts at 7 for that, so make sure you get up there for those festivities. But we, first things first, got to get through practice today, Labs. Is the biggest thing you're kind of looking for today just a, a continuance of the success that we saw from the offense yesterday? You know, start stacking those successful days in a row now? Yeah, and today, again, the schedule is back in pads. Okay. Um, there's some potentially iffy weather. You know, we'll have to see how that develops and plays out as we get closer to, you know, 155 starting time. Uh, but, you know, a lot of times uh, th these are the kinds of situations, you know, I've, I've mentioned it before. We've talked about it before. The key in the NFL is you've got to do it more than one in a row. Yep. One in a row, anybody can do one in a row. So, yes. I think that there is going to be some interest in uh, con for the offense and continuing what they were able to accomplish yesterday. But here's the other thing that I've learned up here too. Um, 
I'm sure that the defense is a little tired of hearing about how good the offense did yesterday, and it's <laughs> impossible to stay away from you know that kind of stuff. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised you know if there wasn't some uh, pushback from the defense, a bounce back, trying to show that you know they're still the big dogs in this fight, and you know that breeds the kind of competition you really need. Yeah, especially, you know, assuming that the big dogs, Cam Hayward, T.J. Watt, and Miles Jack, will be back from their Veterans Day off yesterday and in pads today, ready to participate. Practice again today kicks off at 1.55 p.m., so if you're headed up, make sure you're in your seat by that time. A lot of stuff to uh, entertain you before then, though, including our Steelers Legend series, where you can get a photo op with the former Steelers Legend. Today is John Banizak, so you can go up to John Banizak, get a nice little autograph and your picture taken with him. That'll do it for us here today on the training camp. Camp report. Remember, no training camp report tomorrow, so we will be back again with you on Saturday morning at 9 a.m. following Friday night's light, Friday night lights practice. That's a really tough tongue twister for me, Labs. <laughs> Up next. Well, and enjoy and enjoy your spa day tomorrow too. Well, thank you. Oh, I was supposed, supposed to tell to that. that. Yeah, I mean, so we're doing oh, okay. important Steeler stuff, not spa days. <laughs> He's Bob Labriola. Okay. I'm Tom Offerman. Wolf and Starks are up next in the locker room right here on Steelers Nation Radio. You ever get the feeling the city walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating your soul? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe chase some elk, fish a private stream. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there, and finding your own piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forest, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, location, the kind of hunting or fishing you dream of. Land.com. It's where the adventure begins. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.